Well, hello everybody and welcome to this week's wonderful podcast of Manchester with me, Miss Belinda Scandal. And boy, oh boy, have we got a show for you today. We're talking to the queens of season one and season two's RuPaul Drag Race UK. And we're also talking about the wonderful voices of Jazz and Darius. So sit back, nestle in and get ready for today's podcast of Manchester. There is drag queens come, this lady doesn't like to make it easy, everybody. She hangs from the ceiling, she'll uh, use angle grinders in the most inconvenient of places, and she is quite simply very, very different. This is Crystal. How are you, my love? Are you okay? Uh, hi, baby. I'm blushing after watching that video. I haven't watched that since a year and a half ago. Gosh, well, look you... at that makeup. Well, you've stuck to it, though. You've always stuck to your guns, and this is what I like about you. You've stuck to your guns, and you've been the character that you wanted to be. Uh, how's that worked out for you? Um, yeah, it's worked out all right, I guess. I, I don't know if that is what I'm just. I just try and be myself, and um, sometimes that means sticking to my guns, but usually it means being a pretty laid back person. Actually, I don't. I don't see myself as someone who's like must be my way. Now you say Except laid the back, Belinda. but well, we'll find out. Now you say <laughs> laid back, but what you've actually done is you've, you've fully you've, you've hung from the ceiling. You've had your angle grinder. Now, what type of a queen does it take to um, want to do something like that as opposed to just putting someone... on a sequin gown and a red wig? <laughs> um, it takes someone who is desperate for attention. And um, I, think, <laughs> I think it just shows how, how hungry I am for, for a bit of attention. And I know that I can't necessarily command a stage with, um, with my dance skills or my comedy skills. So I've had to find other ways of keeping the show interesting. And... You know, before you knew it, I was hanging upside down from my stilettos and grinding sparks out of my crotch. I mean, because we all know that drag's not the most comfortable thing. To, I'm ignoring that. And we know that drag is not the most comfortable thing in the world to do. But you, you've took it to a fair level, haven't you? Yeah, I like to think so. I know I'm still not bored of it, which is what's great. I think I was worried that I would get burnout after being on the show and it would start to feel like work. And sometimes it does, but for the most part, I just still really love doing it. And I love coming up with new concepts and new looks and new characters. And um, it's great that I get paid to do that. Now, you went out of RuPaul's Drag Race season one um, after lip syncing with Liverpool's finest, the Vivian. How, how was allegedly, that experience Allegedly the finest. Yes, allegedly. <laughs> Don't you get me in trouble. Yeah, the, how, how was that for you? What was the experience oh my like? Oh, well, that was my second time lip syncing. So I think I kind of knew, I didn't feel like I was going to barf and crap my pants at the same time that, um, like I did the first time. Um, but I, you know, the writing was on the wall at that point. I knew I was, I knew I was going home. Um, because, and I don't know if you remember that episode, but I, I got emotional and untucked and um, it was because I knew. It, oh God. Yeah. But it's yeah. because you're, you're so tired and yeah you're so isolated and you've got no support system and um, you have to find all of the confidence and all of the strength to do that show from within yourself. And that's why Vivian was such an amazing competitor because she just came in knowing that she was the absolute shit. And I came in knowing that I was medi medium. <laughs> so what's, and, the um, best, 
What's the best way to tackle it then? For you know, for instance, if season three came to somewhere, I don't know, maybe started filming in Manchester or something like that. What would be yeah, the um... imagine if it was filming there? Yeah, what would I say to any queens? Mm. Um, I would say no. Believe your own hype. You've got to you've got to know you're this shit to do that show. Sorry, it's probably not no. You to can swear. swear. It's fine. It's not a problem. Okay, fine. You've got to know that you are the shit, um, and you've got to believe it. And that needs to be something that you can hold on to, whatever other com competitors throw at you, whatever the judges say to you, whatever the producers say to you, you have to still believe that you are the best damn thing and in the entire world. What's been, what's happened since you've left Drag Race then? What have you been up to? Oh gosh, just like inbox flooded with nudes, um, global <laughs> domination. <laughs> really? Uh, um, it's been great. I mean, obviously the last, it's hard to keep perspective because the last year has been a bit shit, but yeah. Um, you know, I'm so fortunate that actually the platform that Drag Race gave me has allowed me to keep working over the last year. And I've managed to keep doing my drag and still make a bit of money. Um, you know, it wasn't exactly the year I had had in mind. I was supposed to be doing a show at Edinburgh Fringe and I had all kinds of global tour dates, which was going to be amazing. But, you know, it's everyone's in the exact same position and I've come out of it really pleased with what the kind of year I've had really. And I've, I've produced a podcast, um, which has just finished season one with World mm -hmm. of Wonder. Um, it's called The Things That Made Me Queer. And oh. we've just had that greenlit for season two. So it's, there's been lots That's of amazing. stuff bubbling away. Yeah. So for all these drag queens that maybe don't think that RuPaul's Drag Race is a good idea for them, would you say it is? I think it, it's never gonna hurt. It's always going to take your career to another level, even if you go out first or even if everyone hates you. Um, but you know, it's also incredibly hard and it puts you under a lot of uh, emotional stress. So from a career point of view, I'd say it's always a good idea, but if you aren't feeling like um, your, your brain can handle it, then that's probably a really good sign not to, not to go for it. Cause it's, it's a fucking endurance test yeah because it's not just what we see on the program is it i've, I've heard stories that you, you put in these hotel rooms you left there for basically the entire season wheeled out just for a bit of filming wheeled back in no contact with anybody is that about right that's about right and beyond that you're worried the whole time about how the audience at home is going to see you and if they if, you know if they don't like you they're going to turn on you and you know the the bullying online like that's a real thing so there's lots of there's lots of ways it can go wrong as well um but you know belinda i'm sure they'd love you I can't lip sync. That's the thing. <laughs> Honestly, I've tried lip syncing many, many times and I always end up looking like a Gareth Gates tribute act. Do you know what I mean? My lips are all Linda, over just, the place. Just stand on that stage and just make the noise of that um, alcohol gel that's rubbing into your hands. I could listen to you do that for three and a half minutes, no problem. Well, you know, the offer's there whenever you want that flower. <laughs> I need to get back to Canada anyway. Do you still go back to Canada? Yeah I, yeah, I haven't been since January last year, and I'm desperate because I've got a new baby niece who I haven't met yet. So, um, but yeah, yes, as soon as, as soon as the flights are open, I'm, I'm there. I'll come with you, Flower. Thank Sounds you so great. much for your time today, Crystal. I, honestly, lovely really, to meet you. It was it, thank, lovely to meet you too. It was watching you on the program. You were, you were so you and, you know, not these carbon copy things that you tend to see thank on that you. program. You were you, and it was lovely and refreshing to see. So it's the you. only person I know, so... <laughs> Brilliant. This lady literally has theatre pouring through the very veins of her existence. Please welcome Vinegar Strokes. How are you? 
Where, where I'm not bad, you? thank you. How are you, my love? I'm all right. Where are you calling from today? I am calling from North London. North London. Oh, it's posh it's there, isn't it? Smoke, but, but north of it. <laughs> all right. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Now, before we go any further, my production manager dared me to ask you, uh, the name Vinegar Strokes, explain. Well, do you want the clean version or the or the family friendly version? Well, we've had Crystal on and she's already let everything go. So now you explain to us, Flo. Oh, she voided her bowels again. Oh God, not again. Um, so basically, um, Vinegar Strokes is basically in the most kind of basic way, it's the face a gentleman will pull just before he, you know, releases the beast of love over his oh. body or tissues. <laughs> Nice. And you did, you decided to change it to strokes for, for what particular reason? Um, well, that, that's always been part of the name. So um, <laughs> I, I suppose if we're having a stroke, we're all good. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, you're not just a queen that's appeared on the television. You have appeared in the theatre, the sensational theatre, in uh, Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Yes, 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 yes. That was that was what two years ago now. If it, if it was like a lifetime ago, but yeah, I've 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 done my fair bit of um of West End and tours and lots of theatre stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a really kind of nice, varied thing to do. I've re I really enjoyed it. It's really good. So that makes you a bit of a showbiz queen, then, doesn't it? A little bit, just a little bit, a tad. Yeah. How how would you sum up the the character of Vinegar then? How close is it to to you as a person? Um, you know what? I always um, describe Vinegar as like Daniel just turned up to like level 10. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I feel like with, with drag, you know, you it, it allows you to be, you know, a little bit more risque, a bit more naughty, a bit cheeky, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely it's everything that I want to be doing just in real life. I just turned up like 10, essentially. Lovely. Now, explain to us the definition of hodgepodge, please. Well, I mean, hodgepodge has been a thing. Like, obviously, I was christened that by RuPaul. Before that, I thought I was full glamour and full um, and full everything, but uh, evidently hodgepodge. Um, to me, hodgepodge is now kind of taking on a life of being um, again just that version of me turned up, turned up to ten, colourful, loud, and just kind of very, very expressive and that, that kind of way, and, and no fear. That's that's definitely what I put right. No fear. Now, we were talking to Crystal before about the lip syncing um, battles, or as we used to call it back in the day, miming. Um, mm. how, how, did you, how was that for you? I want to really try and um, get people to understand how that feels when you're put into that position in front of yeah. the judges. Well, it's absolutely mental because, I mean, I mean, I don't lip sync. I'm, I'm live through and through. I, I sing live, speak live, all that kind of stuff. So um, when it comes to lip sync, it is something like that is actually quite new to me in my app, which is not really in there. Um, so it was it's, obviously it's very strange when you're kind of on the, the drag race stage. You're already ashamed of yourself for being in the bottom anyway. Um, and then when the lights go down and stuff, your heart is literally racing and you're literally performing a song you've learned maybe the morning of or the day before in front of you know RuPaul and Graham Norton and Alan Carr and Michelle and, and and whoever else is there so it's quite a it's quite a crazy experience but like I feel like the first time I did it I was like literally like bricking myself and like no I don't want to do this but the second time around I was like I'm gonna have the best time of my life so it depends how you come here but it's a very different kind of experience than just kind of actually being able to like speak and sing and kind of like you know connect with the audience on that level but it's a lot of fun a lot of fun I and of course, you're getting judged by Michelle. You were in, she was one of your cast members. She was my colleague. Michelle yeah. was my colleague. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, go on, sorry. It must take a lot of patience to be judged by somebody that was basically on the same stage as you in the first place. 
well, you know, I, I, I took everything you said on the chin. And to be honest, um, it was it actually made it a lot easier to be criticised by because obviously I knew Michelle as Michelle Visage, the kind of ju the judge of, of Drag Race and whatnot, um, you know, scary, scary and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, now that I kind of have met you and worked with you and know you and we've actually danced together and that kind of stuff, it kind of made it a lot easier when she was was, was critiquing me uh, because a lot, lot of stuff she said I actually agreed with. And I think because we did know each other um i think she was a little bit softer on me you know there was a bit of a cushion there as well which wasn't her boobs <laughs> uh, well no because she's she took, them out. she took them out they've gone <laughs> man are doing the same thing in about half an hour they really are now you've, you've been in, you went back to the theater almost straight yeah. away after finishing didn't you went into death drop yeah, yeah. Did that is... get stopped because of the COVID? Or it finished already? Um, yes, yes. So basically, um, we, we were lucky enough to get a two-week run. There was a lot of shows in the West End that opened for one day, then closed. So we were lucky to get um, two weeks in. And yeah, it was amazing. It starred um, myself and Courtney Act and Money Exchange, as, as well as a whole bunch of other amazing queer drag artists as well. Um, and we just, we just kind of went in there and rehearsed, and we had two weeks rehearsal. We didn't really know what was going to happen. Happen, but we just kind of did it um, as if it was all normal in the world. Um, and yeah, it was just amazing. But unfortunately, because of that random lockdown that happened, we had to stop. But uh, fingers crossed it will come back once um, once we kind of, you know, uh, uh, eased out of lockdown. And finishing eighth in RuPaul's Drag Race season one. I mean, that, uh, finishing eighth in any race probably wouldn't feel great. But I mean, finishing eighth in the first ever season of RuPaul's Drag Race C UK must be a massive pat on the back for you. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm so proud of what, of what I did. Obviously, I, I would love to have gone a bit further and done and done the challenges that I really wanted, <laughs> like the match game and, like, the, the girl band challenge, that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I'm a big believer that any kind of platform like this, it really isn't what you do on the show. It's what you're doing afterwards. And I think I've kind of, you know, really killed it with what, with what I've do, been doing afterwards. I've been able to, as I said, you know, go, go back to the West End and do, and do some tours and, and do shows and keep working and that kind of stuff. And I think, actually... Um, if, as long as as long as you're keeping that ball rolling and, and and keeping things fresh and keeping things out there and still learning and still growing as an artist, I think that's that's the most important thing. You know, dra dra drag race as a platform is incredible, but I think it's what you do afterwards which is the most incredible thing. So the, the fact that I'm still working and still asked to do stuff is amazing. So, <laughs> and has it changed your life being on that program? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't see how it couldn't have. I mean, it's just. Uh, not just in terms of, you know, work and um, fi finance and that kind of stuff, but also just kind of the people I'm able to work with now and people who are who are wanting to work with me and the things I've been learning. Like, there's a lot of things that it kind of changes in your life, not just, not just the work aspect, but it's also a really nice personal journey to go on, which is great. Excellent. Vinegar Strokes, absolute pleasure to speak to you this evening. Love, <laughs> and we will catch up soon and uh, we'll have a good showbiz chat. And a good old drink as well. I'm on Vimter today. It's terrible, isn't it? Spike it, spike it. I mean, it's got vodka in it as well, but I mean, it's still classed as Vimto, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much, Vinegar Strokes. Thank you. Now then, if you have all been watching season two of RuPaul's Drag Race UK, then you will not have failed to miss out on this very basic bitch. Yes, AD, this is tea or coffee? Tea or coffee? What are you drinking, tea or coffee? Uh, for legal reasons, I cannot answer that question. <laughs> How are you? I mean, you're just doing fantastic, aren't you? 
I honestly just having the best time. You'd think getting eliminated from a show. Oh, spoilers. Sorry, I got eliminated. Uh, getting eliminated from a show. You'd think that'd be a bad time, but I'm just having an absolutely gorgeous time. And we match. We love a bit of purple. We, we do. Nah, it's, it's all about Cadbury's. Um, so, other chocolates are obviously available. Now, listen, <laughs> you were on that show, and a lot of your fellow queens were constantly niggling at you, calling you basic. Now, Explain to me what was going through your mind as them queens were saying basic. Did you think that you were up to par? Did you think you weren't up to par? What was what was your emotions? Um, I mean, people prioritise different things, don't they? They obviously have a massive focus on fashion and aesthetics and their makeup is gorgeous and they look pristine every time. Um, and I was, you know, busy writing my own Edinburgh Fringe sellout shows. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's basic, personally, but here we are. Because that's a lot what they don't see, isn't it? A lot of people see you, you're either this or you're that. And if you're not part of what I class as the obvious RuPaul mould, then you're kind of taken to town a little bit, aren't you? Um, I mean, you've, you've proved that the word basic isn't necessarily a, a bad thing anymore, haven't you? Oh, and yeah, that's why I put it on my merch available from Tuck Shop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Like, I, it was something that I got called, and it kind of like was said. If you think about how many times you heard people call me basic on the show, bear in yeah. mind that you're seeing like 48 hours condensed into one. So imagine how many more times I heard it. Um, and actually, it kind of like lost all meaning. And I was like, Actually, it sounds pretty camp now. I, fine, basic bitch, go for it. What, um, was, you rubbing, was you rubbing your hands in glee thinking, oh, I've got a catchphrase, that means instant more merchandise, more tickets sold and more wonderfulness? No, I was like gently weeping in the corner, being like, Veronica saves me, they keep saying it. Um, no, but it was, do you know what? It, it's, a, it's a fun thing and now I look back on it, I'm like, it's pretty funny, to be honest. And you, people were commenting on your outfits and... Uh, without, you know, being... The outfits that you were wearing, was, were they what they were because they, you didn't have the money or the funds? Or was it that you didn't have the ability to create or you didn't have a, a person to make the costumes for you? Um, it, it's a weird situation because, obviously, when you look at the US version of Drag Race, they're on season 13. So by the time they get that phone call, there have been over a decade worth of designers and people that you can contact and all of that kind of thing. And when it comes to me and the kind of drag that I do, like I feel um, fancy and special when I'm wearing something from Sequin Showstoppers. Like that's when yes. I'm like, we've, we've absolutely like reached the pinnacle of drag. Like this is high glamour. Whereas for the other contestants that they put on this season, like you've got people like Ahura who trained in fashion design, who has, her own sort of aesthetic and the fact that she does that um, is super impressive. So, like, it's, you know, if, if you had me and Bagley's and together, I wouldn't look out of place. But it was just a different sort of, <laughs> different season. I mean, the main mantra within uh, RuPaul's Drag Race is, if you can't love yourself, how are you supposed to love somebody else? How does it make you feel when four of your legends are lined up there and they're basically picking at you and telling you, do this do that how does that make you feel um you're in a competition so it feels like advice that you should be making a note of of course when they say we need to see a waist and a better silhouette and i'm like did 
did you not see episode three? I can't sew. What do you want me to do with this information? <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't do anything about it. Um, so just pray and hope that the next runway is something um, that I want to wear. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's difficult. But now I look back on it, I'm like, I just actually feel so much love from Graham and Michelle and like Rue herself. I kind of feel like she was almost in my corner a little bit sort of saying like do do this and you'll you'll get on to the next one so yeah. I actually don't feel like I don't feel horrible like watching it back I feel like quite uplifted well I mean it's it's not stopped you has it I mean let's just take a look at what we've got here we've got we've got this bit of music coming out now I mean, it's good, isn't it? Thank you. I had no idea that you were going to mention it, but Outside In is available. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you, you wasn't privy to the, the three pages that I had to read out about you tonight? <laughs> no, not uh-huh. at all. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so when, once again, when's the, when's the single out? So it's, it's out now. It came out yeah. on Friday. The music video came out today. It's... Oh. So exciting. I literally can't believe that I've had the opportunity to like work with the writers Tom Aspel and Little Boots, just absolute yeah. icons. And um, how can anyone be having a bad time? Like, this is just the most great opportunity and the greatest platform. And now I get to like uh, play pretend all the time, and it's great. Well, this is it. I mean, a lot of the queens in there, they'll go and they'll disappear. We'll not hear from them again unless, you know, there's, a, there's an event going on at the Ritz or something like that. You, however, you've brought our song. Um, you've got this going on. You've got that going on. Your diary must be quite full at this present moment, even though we're still in COVID. I bet you're booked all the way and all the way for the next few years, aren't you? Oh, I mean, it could be fuller. Please feel free. Throw a booking my way. I could never complain. <laughs> um, I just want to do as much as I can because it's like, the luckiest thing I don't think you know getting on the show some people may feel like it's like I deserve it like this is my moment and I'm just like right place right time very lucky that the casting team thought that I'd like fit with what was going on so just that feeling of feeling so like grateful and fortunate for the opportunity is hopefully gonna motivate me to keep doing things and hopefully do good things lots of good things we really hope we see more of you. You're just one of them queens that's, that's come, that I've, yeah, I'll be honest, that I've not heard of before. But now I guess I'm going to not, not hear nothing ever, 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 nothing ever about you because you're just going to not stop. It's going to be brilliant. So tea and coffee, thank you very much for your time today. No, thank you for having me. You look gorgeous, thank by the way. You. Thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll meet at some point, I'm sure. Staying with the thought of reality shows, everybody. They have a popular reality shows. This one has gone from strength to strength. But did the boys go from strength to strength in it? The boys, of course, of which I am referring to, is Jazz and Darius, a.k.a. Touche. Not bad. How are you? Not bad. Taking it in turns to speak, because you're twins, aren't you? Exactly. We need to not step on each other, because we always talk at the same time. So You talk at the same time. Two is always better than one, especially when you look like you do. Now, listen, boys. How was, you don't know what to say to that, do you? How was the competition for you? We spoke to two drag queens today and they, of course, had to appear um, with judges um, RuPaul and, you know, chat show hosts. But, I mean, you're there in front of Sir Tom Jones. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger 
Tell me about the experience when you first see him turn around. It's um, so surreal. We didn't even notice that we had a turn. So, like, I think it was three seconds after we stopped singing, I just saw, like, a white light. They don't have that noise, you know, the... Oh, they don't. No, it doesn't happen. There's just a white light. And then, as you can see, we kind of fell into each other's arms. It was a weird experience. It's 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 got to be scary as as anything, I would imagine. And then of you course know, you get taken. Go on, sorry. No, it's okay. I was just going to say we weren't expecting to get so nervous. We knew that we'd get nervous, but bloody hell, we was backstage and our hearts went beating out of our chest. It was it was crazy. But yeah, it, amazing. Though. It it must be really really freaky. But then of course you get through and you are picked by uh, Sir Tom to be part of his clique, like yep. that. And then you're put up um, against somebody who can I, I can only describe, and I hope I'm not being libelous here, as um, a person that makes me look butch. And <laughs> how, how? I mean, you must have been thinking any minute now you should start body popping or something. Because, I mean, let's face it, most of his actual um, performance wasn't voice-based. It was more attitude and character and sass-based, wasn't it? Well, to be honest, when we um, first got put against him, because we everyone sees each other's performances before. Um, our only worry was, I just think he's going to outperform us. But he actually has got a really, really good voice as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's like a, he's definitely a double threat. Like, he's, his performance is amazing. He's got the sass, but he's also a really good singer as well. So we was like, bloody hell, how do we match that? But then we just thought, we just have to do what we do, basically. You can only do and, what you can do, can't you? And I suppose it must be difficult when you're actually in this situation. You know you've got a battle going on to communicate to each other. I mean, it might be easy for you being twins, telepathic and all that. But, I mean, how do you communicate to the other person? Right, let's step this up. We're going to try doing this now. We're going to do this. We're going to try and do that. How do you communicate that to each other when you're in the middle of a performance? Well, it's even more difficult this year just because it's COVID. So, normally, you would meet up all the time and, and rehearse and all that sort of stuff and get an idea of what he was going to do anyway. But in this situation, we, we had, had two rehearsals, two. and that's including band and choreo and vocal coaching. So you don't have, have much time with him to actually kind of arrange what you're going to do. So it, it's definitely been hard this year. Mm -hmm. How would you describe the, the type of music that you two put out? What would you say? I'd say modern soul, R&B, but we love pop as well. That's a, a mix of those three things, I think. Yeah, it's definitely varied. I mean, you've got amazing voices, really amazing oh, voices. So, so what will be next for the two of you then? I mean, you've, you've got been eliminated from that competition. Do, does it stop there or do you carry on? What do you do? Probably the next season of UK um, Drag Race, I think. Twinkies. I could see, <laughs> <laughs> I could see no, you doing that, any... the pair of you. You could be a Boone yet. Beach, couldn't you? You could oh, be yeah. a Boone <laughs> Beach. So, hey. To be honest, I think we're focusing on our songwriting. Um, yeah. we want to get a good uh, mix of songs and then I don't know we want to do live stuff but how do you do live stuff when it's COVID um, it's I know obviously you can appreciate as well because I'm sure you can't do much yes. work at the moment as well but... no I'm unemployed this is why I'm just sat in my back bedroom just doing this <laughs> you know what I mean it's, it's a hard graft but you've, you've got a, you've got a friend in vodka and that's what I'm telling everybody at the moment and I wish I would have got a cheeky Vimto already I know cheeky, cheeky Vimto Vimto cheeky Manchester Vimto. <laughs> Where, whereabouts in Oldham are you coming from, boys? We're in Chatterton. We're actually from um, New Guinea. What is oh, that? Is that us? Is that us? Sorry, is I just got like, crackling. Can you hear the crackling? We, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Are you still receiving us over in Oldham? Just still about. there, still there. Yeah. It's, it's like the Eurovision, isn't it? It really is. Because we're in the hills. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're in Chatterton. Oh. We're from um, New Guinea. Yeah. So we're from Manchester. And is the singing a full-time job for you? 
Not at all. It's been completely on the back burner. Um, we did a little show called The X Factor when we were a bit younger. Yeah. Um, and that was, we got to the actual stage where you sing in front of the judges on the massive, in the massive arena. And yeah. that kind of shook us, didn't it? We'd never really performed on stage and that we completely just blacked out. Blacked out. Didn't remember it, but no, we didn't sing very well. And it kind of put us off for a little bit. We kind of thought singing's not for us. Um, went to the kind of nine to fives and stuff. But then we've all, it's always been there, hasn't it? We've always sung, sung, wrote, and um, arranged and stuff. So, yeah. So you're going to keep going with it then, I do hope. 100%. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of reignited our passion for it, for sure. I definitely. Think. Yeah. And I think we're just going to, as soon as we can, just do as much as we can. We just want to be out there getting people to hear our songs and, um, yeah, perform as much as possible. Well, what we'll do when we get back to our proper studio shows, boys, they've got an open invitation to come and perform in our lovely little studio here. We're more than happy to have you here. Oh, well, amazing. That. Yeah, that'd be we'll sick. hold you to that. Yeah, we will. We'll you can hold you. me to that, because then I get to see you in 3D. And then you've got no excuse for me not to cuddle <laughs> you either, because by the time it's then, you'll get cuddled, won't you? And that's just the way it's going to be. That's so, um, Touche, Jazz, Darius, thank you so much for your time this evening. And absolute best of luck. Keep staying strong and keep doing exactly what you're doing, because it's fantastic. Well, we couldn't let tonight go without speaking to this gentleman. He's, of course, a patron of your Manchester, and it looks like he's going to be reunited with his very lovely medals. Of course, it is... Mr. Carl Austin Behan, O-B-E. You're going to get your medals back. I mean, yeah. we spoke about this for years. How does it feel? No, it's fantastic. And I think that the thing is, it's took 21 years for this to happen. Um, and for, for a lot of LGBTQ uh, plus veterans, this is, a, you know, why they had the medals taken off them in the first place. You know, I was, mine was a civilian medal, but it was given to me in a military combat, uh, sorry, in a military situation. So I wasn't able to wear it. But, you know, people who've served and people who've pre-2000 had them, literally had them cut off them. Um, and that is just wrong. And, it, and it, they'd earned those medals. You know, they, they, they'd been to battles. They, they, they'd been in Afghanistan. They'd been to Bajra. They'd been all over the place and they'd done things. And yet, because of their sexuality, had these medals stripped off but them. But, Carl, aren't you serving Queen and Country? Isn't that what you sign up for, to, to serve the Queen and Country? Yeah, Therefore, you do. who makes the decision on your behalf that you're not getting the medal in the first place? It was, it was the government. Um, I've, I've got it in writing knowing that it was the government because uh, I don't blame the, the, the armed forces for it. Uh, it. It was the case of the, the government should have made that decision. And as I say, it took 20 years for him to apologise and it's taken 21 years. I just hope now that this is in the next step for, for some of those wrongs to be made right because, you know, the ban, the gay ban as it was known, uh, it wrecked lives. It, people were kicked out. People lost their homes, they lost their families, they lost, they lost everything. You know, I, I've been very lucky. I've, I've, I've turned things around for me. Um, but at the same time, 24 years ago, I could have gone to military prison for six months. Uh, and this is only 1997. I know we've had this conversation before, but it, it's to remind people, and I think, you know, remind people of what, what we've achieved in such a short time. But it is only a short time. And, and you know, as I say, people... Went to prison for it. You were kicked out. You were I was left homeless. I was I lost all my friends. Um, I, was I just struggle. I just struggle, Carl, to understand how you could, you know, still speak so highly of of the the, the armed services, the, the army, the, the navy, and all that. When basically you gave your life to them, and that wasn't good enough. Just because basically, in a nutshell, where you wanted to put your penis. Do you know what I mean? It's as simple as that, isn't it? As simple as that, but who were at fault, and as I say, you know, 
I don't in writing sort of say, you know, you know how, how sort of passionate I get about the word homosexual. I hate the word homosexual because it's mm -hmm. written in a derogatory term against me. Um, but, you know, it was the government that never brought that to Parliament. I wrote to Tony Blair. I've got letters from the Prime Minister's office. I've got letters from Graham Stringer's office. I've got letters from the MOD, um, all stating the fact that it wasn't a priority for, for the government at that time um, to, to even have the conversation in, in Parliament. So I, I have nothing, no, I've got no, no, no disrespect for the armed forces because I think that if the government had made the decision, then the armed forces would have acted on that. So, it, so yeah, so, it, so I, I don't blame the, the, the armed forces. And I'm still as passionate today about the Air Force and I still have reoccurring dreams to go back in and I still have reoccurring dreams of what... And the thing is, my life would have been completely different. So that's, the, you know, yeah. I've got to look at things in, in a different way. So how will you get... Um re-familiarised, for want of a better word, I think well, the word re-familiarised. So for a lot of people, because so, so, so a lot of people, you, you've got to apply um, and, you, and you have to, and, and the paper, and everyone's saying, why should people have to apply for the medals that, that, that they had taken off? Yeah, or absolutely. the medals that they, or the medals that they would have got if they'd have managed to stay in. And the, the, diff, the reason for that, um, without going into too much detail, I don't think the MLD have still got the paperwork. Um, and I think oh. they need to sort of, I think it was one of the things that, you know, we're going back 25, well, 21 years, we're going back at least 40, 50 years for some people. They probably never thought that they would ever be in this situation that they were going to give back the medals. So it was probably one of them cases where people have now got to fill in the paperwork. They've got to put their service number in. They've got to put where they served and the time that they served. So I'm guessing it's going to be it's going to be like a, an exercise themselves for, for the MOD to sort of go through the paperwork to sort of see actually would, would they have got that have they got that have, would they have achieved mm. that would they have got the long service would they have got the you know so so i think in the the, the, the main part of it is it's sort of making sure that people um do get them who want them because don't forget there'll be people who don't want the medals because they were treated in such um uh, a horrible a horrific um yeah. time yeah. you know being, being being put in prison then you know being put in prison for that You'd have been treated as vermin, um, and that's what we've got to remember. We will indeed. And uh, we're going to have to wrap it up there, unfortunately, Carl. Um, but thank you so much for coming on today. I just think it's brilliant, and that's why I wanted to get you back on the show. I said we had a full-packed show for you, and boy, oh boy, did we have a full-packed show for you. Make sure you join us next week as we are talking International Women's Day in the North, everybody. Yes, indeed, I'll be joined by Caroline Whitehead as my co-host. You're in for a treat. And I'll see you all soon on next week's podcast only of Your Manchester.